Hey everyone, welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister here at our church. Uh, this week we are talking about, uh, again, the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about last week's sermon over prophecy. And we're talking about what, what does it look like to be a real prophet. So uh, the week before we talked about false prophets, and this week we talk about how to notice a real prophet, uh, kind of what to look for, and how to discern truth. I think this is going to be a good one for you. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope that you learn a lot, and I hope that everything that we do here at our church helps you grow closer to God. Thanks for listening. All right, let's jump into our, our study, and again, we're we're covering um, last week's sermon. It feels like it's been about a month from from last week, right? Uh, and we're going to start again with uh, the questions we've been dealing with, but this time. Everybody's uh, favorite kind of question, fill in the blank. No choices up there. So somebody tell me what deism is. Do you remember without the choices up there? He wound it up and left. Turned it loose, that's right. Hands off. I've set it up, walking away. God set, it, set up the world and walked away. Uh, and that's what you kind of have to look for again as we talked about, uh, as we talk about the role of the Holy Spirit and everything, this comes into play a lot because, you know, the argument will be, well, God doesn't work that way, or he doesn't work that way anymore, or something like that. And that's when you deal with uh, with this question, is the idea that God wound it up, turned it loose, and as we've talked uh, over and over again, uh, going through the Old Testament, you just don't see that, do you? You see God continually trying to rebuild that relationship with with mankind. Uh, and that, uh, I don't think, ever stops. All right, uh, who is John Locke? Do you remember the, the answer we had for this? Wasn't any, anything in-depth. Who was he? Who's a philosopher? British philosopher. He's the one who came up with this uh, kind of dirt philosophy that everything you get comes from the senses. Uh, let me see if I had that question in here. Okay, yeah, well, I won't say anything more. I have another question in there about him. Uh, Campbell and Stone came from which church? Presbyterian, very good. And finally, Locke held that we are entirely dependent on what for any knowledge of or contact with God? The Bible. Excellent. Well, see, y'all didn't y'all didn't stumble <laughs> a bit. Y'all nailed it. Uh, and and again, that goes back to his philosophy that you. Uh, you don't get anything without the five senses, and so part of that is uh, you're just getting, uh, you've got the Scripture, you learn from that, you become smarter from that, and that's how God works, and that would be his, his stance on that. So let's, let's begin with uh, some of the things we talked about last week. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful. And as we've mentioned in this class several times, the scripture Timothy had was the Old Testament, correct? So why do you think we do not use the Old Testament more when discussing scripture? No right or wrong answer here. What's your, just your thoughts? Because that's what Paul tells Timothy. Timothy had the Old Testament. Why do you think we don't use the Old Testament more? Feel like you do? Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? 
because we're we're of Jesus and we go from like when Jesus was here. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like that's more That'd be more of my background. Jesus. Yeah, that'd be more of my background right there. Is we're we're a New Testament church. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Sometimes, and I think I think a lot of that is because we've we've limited ourselves how much we've been in it, you know, to deal with it. Uh, but yeah, especially at first glance, you go, "What?" Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, cherry picking things out of context today, too. Any other thoughts? Does that cover it for you guys? Okay. All right, Isaiah and Micah are the only examples where prophets say they are filled with the Spirit of God. And we read from uh, quite a bit of Scripture last week. Uh, both of them say we are filled with the Spirit of God. Why was it important for these two men to say this? What do you think? Again, there's no right answer per se. I guess you could be completely wrong. I don't know. Don't be afraid of that. Why do you why do you think they said that? Why do you think they told us that in scripture? Trying to make a point? Yeah. Right. So why do you think it was important for prophets to make sure you knew this was coming from God and not them. That's right. Absolutely right. It's very dangerous to be a prophet. Uh, they spoke into things that people held dear or didn't like for them to say. And so, yeah, they had to, uh, and of course, this didn't save them. But they tried, you know, to say this is, this is coming from, uh, from God. All right, Micah says, false prophets prophesy for, for you as long as you feed them. What does this mean? Remember what we talked about last week? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what you want to hear as long as you feed me. Yes, we have itching ears, Absolutely. All right, why do you think people were upset at the prophets when prophecy was not what they wanted? Why be upset at the prophets? Uh, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Ezekiel says, false prophets often follow their own spirit and have actually seen nothing. What do we do with this? Quit taking my sermon from today. Yeah, absolutely. should study and find out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Dr. Wright says false prophets have a lack of personal moral integrity 
How do we discern a person without personal moral integrity versus someone who simply sins as we all do? What's the difference there? The intent? Okay. Yeah. Fruit? Yes. I'm sorry? Don't repent? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can see that. I think the it can become hazy in that scripture we keep reading where Jesus says there are a lot of people who are going to say, Lord, Lord. Uh, and he's going to say, I don't know you. People who prophesy, people who cast out demons, people who perform miracles. Isn't that crazy to think about? Because I think, I think at times we would think that's the fruit, right? Like the prophecy or the casting out demons or the... Um, Oh, what was the third one? Prophecy, casting out demons, miracles. Thank you. And we'd say, well, that's the fruit of someone who's following God, right? But in anything we do, whether you're doing this, you're preaching, you're leading singing, you're doing, you can do anything and your heart be wrong, right? Uh, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, if I have not love and do all these things, what am I? Sounding brass, sounding gong, clanging cymbal. Yeah, I'm nothing. And so to find the fruit, we can't just be kind of casual observers, I don't think, can we? And just take, oh, man, that is miraculous. You must be. Well, no, it takes, again, this Berean attitude. Um, that I'm just going to cut that out of the sermon today. We talk about it too much. This Berean attitude of we need to find out, right? We need to see what this is all about. Um, and I think, I think uh, one more plug for our small groups, which will start up in September, uh, getting into people's homes, getting to know them. That's one of the best things you can do, right? And because when we're talking about false prophets uh, specifically, there's a lot of things out here that we can't know personally. We see, or, uh, we see on TV or we see on YouTube or, or, or wherever, and it's very difficult to discern, I think. And so when we have the opportunity to, uh, to really uh, dive in, I think we should. All right, so ways to uh, spot a false prophet, and this is just to remind you uh, of what Dr. Wright said uh, in his book here. And this is no, I don't know if I've said it enough, knowing the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament. Uh, number one, drunkenness. Do you remember what he said there? We read about prophets who were stumbling, filth everywhere, right? I said, clean it up for us, right? I mean, it's just blunt. So you, what you see is, is a drunkenness that uh, even this idea that the people needed someone who would just, I'll prophesy if you'll provide alcohol, right? That's, I'll do whatever you want for alcohol, right? That's it. Okay, number two, uh, they were sexually immoral. Okay, and so again, the fruit of this person's life well, they're prophesying. Isn't that awesome? They're from God. Well, they're, they're drunk, maybe sexually immoral. Again, going back to repentance on this, none of these things are unforgivable, right? But again, intent, as Sheila said, repentance, seeing that it's wrong and turning from it, nah, probably not the case here, right? Uh, and number three, greedy. Uh, someone who is um, uh, just, just chasing 
greed, or wealth. Now, this is probably the one that we have, we probably don't want to hear about as much. We, we find this, I, I always find it interesting, and I haven't had that happen here, but, it, but in the past, uh, why don't you speak on sin X, Y, Z? And sin X, Y, Z is not talked about near as much as greed. But nobody has ever come up and said, would you talk about greed? It's, it's my pet thing that I don't like over here that I want you to talk about, but it's not this. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so hard for us to maybe even think about this? Okay, okay, that's, I think that's true, okay. Maybe a, maybe a hard to discern someone who, who just makes a lot of money versus I'm going to do everything I can to get this, right? Yeah, okay, maybe it's harder to uh, discern. Any of y'all ever gone up to your preacher and said, you need to preach about greed. I'm tired of these greedy people walking around here. <laughs> Have you? No. That does not surprise me. I just, as a, as a minister, that does not surprise me at all. I think well, we, we're more comfortable saying you need to preach on giving, and that kind of touches on greed, but it doesn't. Yeah. It's not exactly. Sure. I mean, that has to be a piece of that conversation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Who did Jesus say gave the most? <laughs> the woman who had the least, right? Yeah, okay. Well, what's, uh, what's the American dream here that we have? You have to do better. It feels like a pressure on you, right? Even if nobody told you, if you see your neighbor doing a little bit better, you think, man, I've got to step it up. Right? Anybody feel that pressure? Uh, right now you're sitting here, no, I don't feel the pressure. And then your good friend walks in today and they've got a new vehicle. You look at yours and you think, what a trash heap. <laughs> and most of the time that was the vehicle that you absolutely had to have, right? I've got to have it. I want it. Man, I'll do everything I have. I can make the payments, honey. We can do it. And then couple years down the road, somebody drives up with a newer one, and you think, man, I've got a piece of garbage. Not, not, not fit to take me down the road, right? I love vehicles. I'll just tell you all that right now. Bob, Bob I'm not preaching to you. Bob loves vehicles, too. One thing I've got to preach to myself all the time is, okay, you can get down the road. You can get down the road. You can get down the road. <laughs> my truck I bought from my sister and brother-in-law a long time ago, a, a 2003 uh, Chevy Silverado, three-quarter ton, full stuff, everything, and um, got a good deal on it back back when. I bought it in 07. Just got 200,000 miles on it, which is rare, you know, because most, most 2015s have 2,000 miles on them, right? But uh, it's got the suicide doors where the front door is open and the back door is open the same way, and unless you're standing between them, there's no getting around them, and I hate it. And I will change those. I will get a new vehicle or a new to me vehicle. I don't. I don't buy new vehicles. But uh, uh, I'll tell you, sometimes it's hard to 
not to just park on vehicles here, but that's for me. That's a, you know, somebody drives up, man, I like that. I, I love the Toyota Tundras with the humongous back seats. I think because I have the one with the, uh, the smaller back seats, just the extended cab. Mm. Your best friend gets a new house. Uh, now I'm seeing all the all the flaws in mine, right? And that's I'm preaching to myself here. A what? A company car. We'll see when the contract comes up how that how that plays out. How that plays out. They probably want a sticker on it or something. I think I talked about that, didn't I? Didn't we talk about a sticker or something that? At least get a sticker or something. I think we talked about having a boat, and uh, I, think, I think Ben Johnson said we'll get you a sticker of a boat or something. Around with that on there. But yeah, I think cultural pressure here is a big thing with greed. Now we go back to sexual immorality. Boy, we're tough on that. Drunkenness, we won't allow that. But you get to greed, which is talked about probably more than anything else. That's why I park on it today is because we'd like to just skip to point four, skip to the next thing, because I don't want to talk about greed. And uh, the other, that... The other two are easy to define. Okay. Greed's kind of hard to define. Yeah? Yeah, how to discern that in somebody's life, yeah. Right. I, I, think in, I think you're exactly right in most cases. I think only in the kind of overt... Right. Uh, you know somebody, you've known them well, and you know well, that's all they're, you know, they're just out for. And then we would say, most likely I bet we would say, man, they're a hard worker, wouldn't, you? wouldn't we? Man, they are achieving the American dream. They came, they worked hard. They don't see their family much, you know, but uh, they work hard. And we, Even the worst is when they get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> when they get lucky and get a lot of money or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, how did you manage that? <clears throat> Absolutely. And then when you make all that money, it's what you do with it. Absolutely. A lot to it, right? So how would anybody have any suggestions on how we spot the fruit here? Not everybody at once, just one at a time, please. Willingness to help whenever a need arises. Okay. I mean, a willingness to turn loose of, yeah. yeah. To help share. I mean, you can spot sharing. Yeah. Sharing is easy to see. That's the problem. Yeah. You're right. Because a lot of people do that. They don't tell anybody. Well, that's absolutely. And it's your perception of people that say, oh, they got money. They don't do nothing that. Right. Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. It's when you, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. Any other thoughts? We can't leave here thinking this is undefinable, can we? I think we're touching on some things. Not that we always see it, but I think if you could, let's just say in ourselves. How about that? Can we go there right now? How could you spot greed in yourself? Like what Laura said, it's more, it's, it's not this, it's, Letting go? I just think you got to realize it's not our money. Yeah. It's money. Yeah. And if we can't accept that, we're kind of greedy. 
I agree. Yeah, to see yourself more as a steward, I think, is a, is a good way to think about it. Uh, but the temptation is, man, I went and worked for that degree or what, or the job or whatever, and I've done this, and I've made my money, right? Absolutely. There's also a cheerfulness you see in somebody that's willing. Mm. It's not a uh, kind of feel compelled, compelled to, you know, that church asking me for more money. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's more of a, just a willingness to return those. Right. Like Jimbo said, and, and we're taught not to, not to, not to brag about. Sure. Giving. I mean, we're taught that. Yeah. So it's, that's why I think it is hard to spot this. Yeah. We don't. You tell the things. I don't know what everybody else is necessarily doing, but you do spot attitude. Okay. Attitude's a big thing. Yeah, I agree. We don't yeah. know. We don't need to know. That's right. Yeah. Are you talking about people giving? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I have have buddies who know all the big givers in the church and things like that. I have no desire to know whether you give a dollar or whatever. Uh, I pray and I'll preach on you giving and giving. Uh, I think we, I don't think we don't give enough. I think we kind of get ourselves in a bind that even if we come to the conclusion that we don't give enough, it's hard to, hard to get out of the, the hole we've dug ourselves in. And me being one of those people, um, I, I've been there and, and over, over the years I've been able to give more uh, because I, I, you know, growing up, I, anybody have it preached that you don't tithe anymore? Yeah? That's the old law. Old law, yeah. That's the old law. Where does it say the old law, though, on that deal? In the Old Testament. In Old Testament. What did Jesus say about the Old Testament? About the law? I've come to take it away. I've come to abolish it, every jot and tittle, right? Is that what he said? Come to fulfill it. Oh, well, that's different. Nothing will pass away. Not a dot and anything, right? Uh, of course, we, you know, you dive into that, and, and of course, we see that in fulfilling, you know, we don't need sacrifice and things like that because he has done that. But he doesn't say that about giving, does he? Um, we, I was always taught, well, he doesn't say it in the New Testament, so we don't do it anymore. Here's another idea. Maybe they didn't say it because it wasn't an issue. <laughs> they just knew they gave 10%. Isn't that interesting? I grew up opposite where we were taught the baseline is 10%. Yeah. But that was it. I mean, you start there and go up. Yeah. Or else. Yeah, right. There was a little bit of an or else in there. Who grew up with, you do tithe, at least 10%. Yeah, a few of you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Katie's the reason I had to rethink this, you know. It's like, well, what do I really think? I think that's when you get challenged, you know, when somebody you love believes something else. And you go, okay. Yeah, that's, uh, anybody want to go find that this, this week? Find the scripture that says we don't tithe anymore. Jesus took care of that. Yeah, that we give of our, our first fruits. And so uh, I'd encourage you to, to think of that as a part of this, this conversation. Any other comments on this? I think one more thing that I'm thinking about is, oh, yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, a good way to spot it in yourself. Absolutely. 
She said when you're overextending yourself, putting things on credit cards, you can't pay off, that kind of thing. Um, which, of course, you know, could be that I've just lost a job. You know, not always true, but it could absolutely could be I'm just spending too much money. Yeah, I just want too many things. Yeah. Okay? If you are, uh, if you have more money than, say, is the norm, mm -hmm. uh, you should feel blessed. You should want to share that. Blessed. Yeah. Blessed than you are. Yeah, I think attitude is a big part of that, right? Uh, that Jesus looks at this, this lady who, by any standard, gave almost nothing, right? But to her, it was all she had. Now, maybe that's a lesson in percentage. I don't know. You also give 100% of your no, numbers. I think we're always looking at people that got money when we talk about greed. Sure, sure. That's, that's completely the wrong way to look at That's right. Everybody can have greed. That's right. Whether you got yeah. I think we, as Jimbo's saying that, I agree completely. Um, but I think we've got outs for all of those. Um, what's the difference between greedy and Jimbo's just a good saver? <laughs> right? <laughs> He's just preparing for the future. <laughs> Now, that, that may be a discussion about faith, faith in God, and, you know, how he takes you. Uh, some churches, I, I was, uh, when I was getting ready to go to Harding, I had to raise support to go, and I talked with a church who had, they had about 45 members, it used to be a massive church, and they had whittled down, they were one of those that I've mentioned that some churches have uh, Bible teachers just hoping kids show up, you know, and every week they're ready, but no kids are there type of deal, and so it's kind of sad, you know. But they had well over $200,000 in the bank. And they were still bringing in fine, even for you know, their 40 members. But they were so afraid that something would happen to the air conditioning units. $200,000 worth of air conditioning units, I guess. I don't know. Made out of pure copper. I don't know what they are. <laughs> copper, copper and gold. They buff it daily. I don't know. But, but they would not... They, they wouldn't do anything like support someone else. The, the preacher took me out to, to lunch, and he just he wept at lunch. He said, these people are so apathetic and so scared that something's going to happen that they won't even give. And so, yeah, maybe that's a way. How do I turn loose of that? How do I, how do I help when someone is in need? Uh, and I would agree. It is hard to see in other people unless you know them very well. You know, Jimbo, Jimbo and I, you know, know each other very well, and he can see it in me, you know, in the way that, you know, maybe maybe you don't see publicly, but, you know, in our friendship you see it. I think that's probably uh, maybe easier to see. We tend to so, always think of greed in, in the sense of how many zeros are in the, in the discussion here. Oh, yeah. Money, but greed can also be the, the, the desire for more power yeah. to be sure. one who's dominant over whoever the yeah, I agree. Yeah, always wanting more. Never satisfied with that. Absolutely. It was a great discussion. Anything, any final things on greed before we 
we go. Similar to what Scott was saying, it, it bleeds into other areas too. Mm -hmm. You're not going to give of your time to other Christians. You're not going to be available. If you're a greedy person, you're just not going to be available because yeah. that's your spirit is you hoard things for yourself. Mm -hmm. Money, whatever. Yeah. And those that are not greedy are giving of their time and effort. You know, always trying to find other ways or better ways to do that. So mm -hmm. I think it's it does bleed into a whole picture, not just your money, but everything. I agree. Yeah, that's that's what I had in uh, in mind when I asked this question. Scripture says we will know people by their fruit, and how does this apply in this conversation? Again, all the things we've just talked about, right? Uh, so, so what does greed kind of tug at the heart of as far as Scripture is concerned? Uh, think about the greatest commands. What were those? Love God, love your neighbor, right? Okay, how does this play into that? Does it? Yeah. Yeah, love God, that's fine, right? Thank you for all that you've given me. Well, how do I show love for someone else? Remember, that's how the, uh, the question comes up of, uh, uh, that's asked to Jesus, you know, who is my neighbor type of thing. And Jesus says, you go be this kind of neighbor in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? You love even your enemies. And, and in that parable, uh, the Samaritan, who they would have been cringing, kind of grinding their teeth about, even takes him to the innkeeper and says, you know, here's some money. If you need more, I'll get you more, right? I'll come back. That's a fruit right there, isn't it? Again, that's not saying that, that you know, as Jesus says this parable, this theoretical thing up, uh, that, that this person was extremely wealthy, right? But they, they gave in a way that allowed them to take care of someone, right? And maybe that doesn't mean forking over $100 bills. Can you take care of people without forking over $100 bills to someone else? Yeah, absolutely. You can open your home. You can uh, uh, have them at your, your dinner table, right? Absolutely. You can give, and uh, all of a sudden you've got three people at your doorstep. You invite them in for dinner, and you don't eat as much as you thought you were going to, right? You don't make that second plate to allow them to eat. Lots of ways that we could uh, we could go with this. All right, thank y'all for speaking up on that. All right, false prophets have no moral courage. Why is it bad to always tell everyone that everything is okay? Or is it? Why is it bad to always tell everyone, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, and not have moral courage? I think we all like to hear we're all okay, right? So why is it bad to not tell people when things are not good? <clears throat> you're not facing reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not fun to do that, is it? I said last week that uh, if I never challenge you, step on your toes, or, you know, make you question things or anything like that, I'm doing a bad job, right? Um, 
my job is not to come here and uh, just tell you every week that God loves you. He does love you. But he asks for your obedience, right? Uh, in every way. And so that, that's part of this. And so if you tell everybody it's okay, what are the chances they turn from what they're doing? Is it about zero? Because you're fine, right? Well, the hardest thing is to hold each other accountable. Sure. Somebody saying, well, are you judging me? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the conversation. Exactly. Are you saying you're judging me? Yeah. Uh, no. I'm not, uh, I'm not condemning you to hell or, or sending you to heaven, but I am saying you need to be obedient to God. Before you can do that, that person has to know you love them respect you. I think on a personal level, but, you know, thinking of the, the context here with the prophets, you know, it was more, uh, you know, most people probably didn't know him personally, I would guess. You know, there's, there's too many people. Um, and the people's response certainly didn't seem like they knew they loved them. It was more like, what are you doing? I think it's effective. You think about your best friend that y'all can, you guys can tell each other anything. You can challenge each other. Uh, and, and because you have that relationship, when I challenge you, you don't run away, hopefully, and get angry all the time, right? But you hear that as, no, they really, they really want this for me. They, they really love me, and I know that. I've had years of experience to tell me that. Uh, and so maybe I'll think about that a little more, okay? Any other thoughts? All right. Next, there we go. God says prophets are to proclaim his words and help turn people from their ways, so not what they uh, what we just talked about, their evil ways. Does this fit with your view of what a prophet is or does. So when we mentioned the word prophecy last week, is that what you thought of? Or did you think of fortune telling or predicting the future in some way or what? What's your, what's your default on that? Huh? This is it? Okay, good. Good. This is more of the scriptural, what they did, right? Telling people, listen, God is, if you do not turn from what you're doing, God is going to do X, Y, Z. You don't see, you know, on this date in the future, you know, we're going to experience blah, 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 blah. No, it is basically preaching, right? Preaching and proclaiming God's word, right? There is some... Fortune telling, not fortune telling, but future telling. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there'll be seven years of drought, and then there'll be seven yeah. years of hard sure. work for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There is some of that. I'd say there's more of this, but there is some of that. Uh, God even telling the people it's going to be 70 years, you know, before you get back. You know, that Jeremiah 29:11, God wants to prosper you, stop. Don't read anything else around it. God wants me to have money. Oh, by the way, it's going to be 70 years before you get to return home. Okay. 
Didn't like that part. Right? Okay? Any other thoughts here? First Corinthians 13. We're going to deal with that some in the, in the future. That has been our go-to to kind of throw away everything. Um, the key to that, did you hear the question she asked? She asked about 1 Corinthians 13 when it mentions uh, prophecies will cease. Uh, we've held on to that to say uh, prophecy, spiritual gifts, things like that are gone. Uh, the, the key to that scripture is uh, when Paul says, when the perfect comes. Now, the, the perfect is telos. It is complete. It is kind of the end. And uh, we have filled in perfect or complete with Bible. It doesn't say that. But we've inserted the word Bible right there. And so we've said, okay, when the Bible comes, there's no need for that because I haven't seen a prophet or I haven't seen someone speak in tongues. Uh, but if you read the context, I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, I believe it's the three chapters. If you read that, you don't even get that in those three chapters. Paul says at the end of 14, I believe it is, you desire the spiritual gifts, but you should do this. Uh, tell us uh, there... I believe the context says that when basically the kingdom is coming in its fullness type of thing, Every, complete or perfect is the same thing. It just means when the end has come. And I think that's God's reign completely. Uh, and we'll talk, that's just, you know, off the, off the uh, cuff right now, but we'll talk about that more uh, as we get into kind of New Testament, uh, Holy Spirit, because that's a big thing with us, you know, especially Churches of Christ. Uh, who grew up like that was a, you remember that teaching in some way, like these things will end because of, and you, and you even think about the context there. What is Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians 13? Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not trying to, you know, do this. But if you read 12, 13, and 14, and, and if you're curious about that, do that. That's where we'll start with that. And, and probably the day I talk about it, we'll just read all three chapters because we can kind of pick and grab. And like I said, the, what we have done is complete or perfect. We said, let's take that out, put the Bible in there. Or sometimes we'll think after the prophets or after the uh, <clears throat> apostles die. Again, not really what it says. It's just what we've kind of interpreted and changed there. But also, great question. In that same verse, it says knowledge will cease. Well, we yeah, yeah, say yeah. anything about knowledge. Yeah, we're, and that and that kind of shows why we're there for that scripture, right? Uh, is we're we're okay with spiritual gifts and prophecy going away, but what do you do with knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. Which kind of shines a light on again that we're we're kind of proof texting there. What do we do with this? And uh, and what you'll get there is you know if you're saying, um, you know, when you say it's not the case, you get well. Are you saying? You know, everybody has spiritual gift or whatever. You know, everybody's going to, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Paul wasn't saying this, what, you're, what we're saying. Um, I, I try to make it clear that I do not, I try to not put God in a box and tell him, God, you cannot X, Y, Z, okay? Uh, if God wants to make you speak in tongues today, I'm going to be real uncomfortable during the service. 
But if he wants to do it, that's his, that's his prerogative, you know. Uh, and so uh, I just, I leave it open to God to act the way he wants to act. And I don't think he ever told us, you know, I'll quit doing this. So, all right, making sure I'm in the right spot here. Okay, uh, false prophets often focus on end times. Have you ever gotten caught up in this? I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, let's see, how close am I? Okay, I need to. Uh, God works. I, I love God's timing sometimes. A lot of times it's not, not when I'd like it to happen. But I had already written this question, and then I got an email, a good one. Let me skip to it real quick. Yeah, we got that. So this came to my email that I just set up a few weeks ago for our class, uh, for John at Eagle, uh, Eagle Church and everything. Uh, and I got this this week. Good day, Christian neighbor. According to the scriptures, the mark of the beast and that a good conversation, is received in the right hand or forehead. With modern technology, it is very possible that this mark or stamp may be directly linked to the quantum dot tattoo coming with the microneedle vaccine rather than the RFID chip. Are y'all hooked at this point? Yeah. <laughs> Regardless if it is or isn't, everyone who is living immediately before the return of Christ will be forced to take this mark on their body in order to buy or sell anything. Research this guy. I didn't, if you're curious. Again, the mark of the beast is likely the proof of vaccination on the body. So we've got tattoo and vaccination. Uh, the hypodermic needle will be replaced with a microneedle vaccine. It will be marketed as safe, effective, and convenient. These medical devices can be shipped to your house with a courier. I don't know if they're trying to sell me something, or warn me about this. I think it's AI. <laughs> it's a, it must have been. It probably was produced with AI. Uh, come up with an email that scares people but also confuses them. Okay. So what do we see here? Again, a focus on end times, a focus on this scary, I don't know if that's scary. This is not scary to me. The mark of the beast thing is not scary to me in the least. Um, I think God's got it. I think he can, he can take care of all of that. But do you see kind of we're going to weave in, you know, things we're, we may be worried about right now. Is vaccination safe? Is it not? What does it do? I mean, you, you basically in this got we may be implanted with something, right? Uh, all of these things, and, and I love the timing on this because it happened this, like I said, this week. And so... Questions like this, as we'll, we'll talk about today, does this fit in with Scripture as something you ought to be worried about? No. I mean, if you're worried about, you know, whatever, that's fine, but is this? Uh, uh, no. Did Jesus come preaching the gospel, and he said, you know, you've got to really watch when they try to stick you with a needle? No. And so that's part of, uh, part of what we're going to study uh, today, and we've, uh, we've run out of time. Uh, but I had to get to that. I had to let you see that that's, you never know what spin is going to be on this or which, which path they take. Um, but 
final, final uh, thoughts on this. We should worry about the things God worries about. And this, excuse my uh, Southern, ain't it. Thanks for being here.